And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. I can see you right now in the kitchen, bending over a hot stove, but I can't see the stove. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. <laughs> Would you mind telling me whose brain I did put in? And you won't be angry? I will not be angry. Abby someone. Abby someone. Abby who? Abby normal. What do you do, Carl? Carl is a inventor slash entrepreneur. Yeah, I'm still looking for that home run, you know? I mean, when I saw the iPod first time, I was like, yeah, I gotta kick myself. That was so hard on him. What's your name? Carl's my name. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Roger, ready to move out. Hello. Everyone, I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including trivia contests and games, movie reviews, celebrity interviews, showbiz news, and classic radio shows. My co-host is the illustrious Lisa Wolf. In this hour, it's another strange tale by the Whistler from 1947. But it's time now for Is It Real or Is It Ridiculous? The Music Edition. Lisa will play clips from famous songs and provide a statement about each song. My job is to guess, is that statement real or is it ridiculous while you play at home, right? That's right. We're going to have some fun because this did game... Did I explain it right, Lisa? You did a great did I, job. Did I explain it right? Yes, sir. You did a great job. All right. I explained it right. And the reason we're going to have some fun is because this game is difficult for you. Mm. And so I always have a it good is. time with that. So I know it's only, you know, real or ridiculous, but somehow... False. Real. Somehow it, ridiculous. it's... Ridiculous. <laughs> Somehow you have a little trouble with it, so that uh, I don't, I don't know. is quite entertaining. This so, game is tough. For me. I know it is. So I've chosen some Got like a tele- mental block. About yeah, well, it. not just on this. You got to get fifty percent of them right to you, stay on track. You think here. so? But um, maybe I'll just let's say just see ridiculous on every one of them. No, come on, listen to it and, and right. do what you think is right. I won't cheat. No cheating here. So right. these are all television theme songs. We'll okay. learn a little bit of something. All right. Uh, let's hear the first theme song. That's the office. That's the office theme song by right. the Scrantones. By the Scrantones? Yes, Scrantones. That's just the okay. name of the group. All right. Okay, you ready for your uh, statement? Yes. Okay. Can't Get It Out of My Head by Electric Light Orchestra almost became the office's theme song. Is that real? And or I ridiculous? Can't now, let's get play the song. Out of let's my play it. Head. So, real or ridiculous, did this almost become The Office's theme song? Um, you know, it's so bizarre that it's probably real. Like, I wouldn't think so. I would not think so. So, I I, I mean, my gut is saying false, ridiculous. My gut is saying ridiculous. And my gut's going down, have you noticed? Because I've been working out. I haven't. Um... So, but I'm going to say real. Okay. Let's listen to the song that almost became the office theme song. This 
This is called Mr. Blue Sky by so, so I'm wrong, right? So you're wrong. It's ridiculous. I made that up. My gut was saying ridiculous. Yeah, it was. But listen to this song. This almost became the office theme song, Mr. Blue Sky. Yeah. Who knows? Anyhow, oh, it's ridiculous. So I, I just think it it's a great song. So you got I'm going to go with my gut now. You should go with your gut. Because it's smaller now. Is it? Maybe that's why, because my gut was bigger right, before. That's right. But now that's it's smaller, so it's smarter. why you're smarter. getting them all wrong. It's smarter. My gut right. is smaller and smarter. Right. Got it. Okay. That doesn't make any sense. But it does all right. to me. Here is the next. That's all that matters. Right. Here's the next theme song. So that's that's Cheers. Cheers. Where Everybody Knows Your Name by Gary Portnoy. Portnoy? Portnoy. P-O-R-T-N-O-Y. Portnoy. Real. His name is Portnoy. Real. Is that, that's not the question. That's not the question. That's not the statement. It's not the statement. Are you ready for the statement? Yeah, I'm ready. In 2022, Denny's used this song in their commercials. Real or ridiculous? Denny's? That's the statement. Ridiculous. All right. Let's listen to the uh, the commercials and see. You want to be where you can see. The troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. You want to go. Applebee's. All, all right. your favorite Applebee's. burgers. Applebee's. I got one. I, got, got one. I went with my gut That's on that right. One. It's Applebee's. And um, I don't eat at Applebee's, so that's why my gut is getting thinner. That might be it. Right. Good job. Applebee's all right. has a lot of fried food. And you know I, what, Carl? See, I eat Mies meals. The food is great, and that's why I'm well, getting leaner. Still, sometimes it's nice to go meaner. out. And leaner. And you know what, Carl? I think you can eat healthy or not healthy at any restaurant. This so. is true. Um, I got one. You did. All right. Let's go to I'm the going, next I'm going with my song. gut. I'm going with my gut. You should. You know what? This is um, I, I can't. Re- I, I don't know what show is this. This is Golden Girls. Oh, Golden Girls. Right. Thank you for being a it's friend a by Cindy Fee. Okay, Golden Girls. Right. Yeah. Okay. Here's your statement. Okay. A series of commercials from the New York Lottery features this song. Thank you for being a friend. Real or ridiculous? Oh, New York Lottery. <laughs> Um, real. Real? Mm-hmm. All right, let's listen to the commercial. Thank you for being a friend. We've traveled down the road and back again. Your heart is true. Why don't you stand up and take a bow? Stand up and say, thank you for being a friend. Every time you play a New York lottery game, oh, yeah. a portion of it is. My gut, my gut is on Just track. Like New York lottery. Everybody I would have had four right if I would have. I yeah, if you four, got them all right, no, you would have had right. No, if, <laughs> <laughs> no, if I would have went with my gut on that one first more to one. Go. If I would have went with my gut on the first one. But you said that every time. Let's mm-hmm. let's go one more. There's one more to go. have got three so far. You've gotten two out of three. Oh. Okay, we've got one more no, to go. Don't get count. too excited. Can't count. <laughs> now this is a story that's uh, all about that's Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. That's right. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air theme song by DJ Jazzy Jeff. And the Fresh Prince. Right. Okay. Did I co-write that song? I'm trying I to think. I don't think so, no. no. Oh. Not this one. 
All right? Here's your statement. I didn't so, co-write it? No, with DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh yeah, Prince. Yeah, he and I were, you know, we're yeah, I know you're pretty around tight, for but, a while. Yeah. So Flying around statement. On, on, on his private jet. Right, you know? sure. So DJ, ja- ja- DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince had another hit song mm-hmm. titled Summertime. Ridiculous. Let's hear the song and see what it is. Here it is, a groove slightly transformed. This is DJ Jazzy Jack from singing Summertime. Summertime? Summertime. Wrong. You got wrong. This was released after the first season of The Fresh Prince. Uh, they uh, got together, wrote another song, and uh, there it is. Well, you know what? I got two out of you four. So that's the Carl, you got 50% on the first game, the second game, and this game. No, because no. the first game I got more. Oh than, yeah, you did get a little bit. Yeah, more. Ah, so I'm doing all so you right. Got, you know, you got hey. like fifty percent. That's probably how you did in school. But you this, know? but here's the thing. Yeah, that's like a C minus. No, that's but a here's, D. But here's the thing. <laughs> that's an F actually. <laughs> but here's here's the thing. I stink at this game. Right. You gotta, but you got a fifty percent. So is I that did, good? That's like I'm getting better because I stink. I was getting none. Remember? Right. That I wasn't was, getting any. Right. That's actually difficult to do. But you got fifty percent. But you keep working at it, Carl. I got fifty percent. I'm I'm happy with that. Oh, good. Your bar it's like is a, it's so a low. D minus, but <laughs> no, that's enough. But go with it's it. Enough. You feel good about yourself. That's okay. It's an F plus. But isn't it a passing no. F? No, it's not. 60%. I used to ask my teacher that. Can I pass with an F? Uh, you're going to have to go to summer school for that like, one. They're like, no. And I'm like, well, why not? I mean, come on. As, as they said to my, my daughter, you're going to have to go to summer school. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Lisa. I'm, sure. I'm happy with two out of four. I, uh, great. You you're know? happy. I'm Batting happy. 500. They'd pay me millions of dollars if I could bat 500 in the major leagues. They, who's they? <laughs> <laughs> All right, when we come back, it's the Whistler. Stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. There were a lot of great mystery shows on the radio, Lisa. Like Escape and Suspense and Inner Sanctum, Hall of Fantasy, Murder at Midnight. This one, The Whistler, was um, really very interesting because it was the only show that always had a twist ending. Every single episode had a twist ending. You were going along, you know, thinking, okay, this person might get away with it or whatever the case may be. And they would always get you with a zinger, like a really good twist ending that you did not see coming. And that's what kind of put this show in its own little, you know, its own little, uh, you know, corner of the radio world, really. And it was terrific. It started on uh, CBS in 1942, lasted all the way until 1955. That's a long run. Uh, Over 700 episodes. It made a brief uh, transition to television in 1954. There were actually eight Columbia pictures called The Whistler that came out between 1944 and 1948. So it had it was very popular and it was heard kind of nonstop from 1942 all the way to 1955. Bill Foreman had the role of The Whistler the longest 
It was a cool show, and we're going to listen to an episode now from April 21st, 1947, called Backlash. And this stars Howard Duff. He played Sam Spade, and he's great in this, along with um, other actresses, Henrietta Tedrow. Marvin Miller does the announcing. Here's part one now of The Whistler. The Signal Oil Program, The Whistler. That whistle is your signal for the Signal Oil Program, The Whistler. I know many things, for I walk by night. I know many strange tales, hidden in the hearts of men and women who have stepped into the shadows. Yes, I know the nameless terrors of which they dare not speak. Yes, friends, it's time for the Signal Oil program, The Whistler. Rated by independent research, the most popular West Coast program in radio history. In gasoline, you know, it takes extra quality to give you extra mileage. And Signal is the famous go-farther gasoline. So look for the Signal circle sign in yellow and black that identifies friendly dealer-owned Signal service stations from Canada to Mexico. And now the Whistler's strange story. Backlash. They sat at the table in silence, the dinner almost over. George Turner on one side and his wife, Jan, opposite him. George could feel the tension between them growing from the moment Jan's Aunt Irene had excused herself to take the telephone call. It was a difficult situation. George had always hated Aunt Irene with all his heart. Only the housing shortage and the prospect of rent-free lodging had induced George to bring Jan to Irene's home and humbly ask permission to stay there. Of course, it was difficult for a man like George to be humble under any circumstances. And by now he was telling himself that it would be the greatest of all possible pleasures to kill Aunt Irene with his bare hands. The muffled sound of her voice was still coming from the next room when George looked up from his tapioca pudding to find Jan watching him quietly. George. What? Well, I... I don't quite know how to say this, darling, Go but... ahead and say it. This is jump on George night, oh, I'm Jared. No one's jumping on you, George. I just wish you'd try to understand. Uncle David means a great deal to me, you know, and... So what? What do you owe Uncle David? What's he ever done for you? Oh, is that the only standard you ever judge people by? What they've done for you? The point is that Uncle David's sick. I feel that it's right to go to him. You mean Aunt Irene feels that it's right. Oh. It was her idea in the first place. Why not admit it? It was my idea too, George. Now listen to me, Jan. This is no time for you to travel 3,000 miles across the country to visit an ailing uncle. And don't give me that drivel about owing it to him. Unfortunately, it's not a matter of loyalty. It's a matter of geography. Yes. Is that clear? Yes, George. I suppose it is. Do you mind passing that? Well, Aunt Irene? 
It was Uncle David's position, Jan, long distance. He says it's only a matter of days now. Thank heaven. Oh, George. At least we'll have something new to talk about at dinner. George Turnery. Have Irene, please. Well, I wonder what Uncle David thinks. He's always thought the world and all of you, Jan. Oh, I... Please, Aunt Irene. I'd rather not talk about it now. Of course, dear. I know how disappointed you must be. After all, Uncle David... Irene, will you forget Uncle David? I will not, George Turner, and don't you dare use that tone of voice on me. This is my house. Good Lord, you have to throw that in my face every night at dinner. Oh, you're just like your brother, aren't you? You look enough alike to be twins, and what's worse, you're cut from the same cloth. Oh, and Irene... Don't stop her, Jan. Don't stop her. She loves it. Like a kid sticking a pin through a bug. Your brother Ed's a criminal. I put him where he belongs. Sure, Ed's a criminal. He belongs in prison. But that's not the point. The really horrible part is the morbid delight that showed on your face, dear Aunt Irene, the day you took the stand and sent him up. Everything I testified was true. Yes. But the only thing that never came out was your reason. You thought if Ed went up, I'd be ruined and Jan would leave me. Stop it, George. Oh, no. Let's have it all out on the table. You testified against Ed, hoping it would get Jan away from me. You let us come to live here so you'd have a better chance to get Jan away from me. Now you wanted to go 3,000 miles across the country just so you can get her away from me. That's not true. Not a word of it. But by heaven, you've given me an idea. If I thought I could save Jan from the misery you'll bring down on her head, I'd... I'd... So at last it comes out. Well, go ahead, Irene. Do your darndest. But I'll warn you in advance, it won't work. It won't work because my brother Ed and I are cut from the same cloth. Remember? Yes, George, it's all out on the table. And as you stomp out of the house and walk alone down the street of the dark elm-lined street and try and cool off... It all goes round and round in your mind. You know that Irene means what she says. After a choir like that, she will try to separate you from Jan. And you know, too, that you'll never let that happen. That you won't stand by and lose the only person in the world, uh, yourself accepted, who ever meant anything to you. So the idea begins to grow, George, and the next day at the office it's still there, like a hangover. And you find it hard to concentrate on your work. Anderson's usually pretty thorough in covering his territory. Pretty hard to see how he could have missed Brad, Charles. Uh, George. Oh, oh uh, yeah, Martin. Uh, that was, uh, uh, what account was that? Bradshaw. Oh, yeah, uh, Bradshaw. That's at uh, San Vicente. What are you talking about? Bradshaw drugs at midfield. You've been on these books long enough to know that. Of course, sure. I'm sorry, Martin. I just... Mr. Turner. Yes? There's a man to see you. Excuse me, Martin. Who is he? Well, he wouldn't give me his name. Why not? Over there at the counter. The little man in the dark suit. Thanks. Yes, sir? You're George Turner? That's right. I uh, ran across a little item I thought you might be interested in. 50 cent piece with a hole in it. What? Where? Seen it before? Where did you get it? A friend. That's all? Just this? A note comes with it. Want to take a look? Let me see it, quick. 
Take it easy. The dame over there is looking at us. Here. If you want to meet somebody, meet your brother, Fellas. You uh, interested? Yeah. Yeah, I'm interested. Good. Room 238, Franklin Hotel. 10 tomorrow morning. He picks up the note and leaves, pausing a moment at the office door to toss you a wink. And you look again at the 50-cent piece with a hole in it. It's like a magic charm, isn't it, George? The minute you saw it, the dull ache inside you vanished. Aunt Irene, the crisis, Jan's trip west. It was all unimportant after all, wasn't it? Yes. That 50-cent piece is going to make everything so simple. Uh, Martin. Yes? Uh, you won't mind if I knock off for a few minutes, will you? Yeah, why not? I'll be right back. My wife's going west, you know, probably tomorrow. And, what? Uh... I thought you talked her out of it. Oh, not a chance. It's her favorite uncle and all that. Uh, I want to pick up a corsage for her at the florist. And uh, another thing, uh, Martin, where was that place you bought the candy the other day? That was the best candy I ever tasted. Uh, Valentine's on 8th Street. Oh, yeah. Great. I uh, want to get a box for Aunt Irene. It's about time I did something for the old girl. With the prologue of Backlash, the Signal Oil Company brings you another strange story by The Whistler. Mmm, Backlash is the name of this episode, Lisa. On the Whistler. And uh, boy, Howard Duff, who's had a deeper voice, me or Howard Duff? Oh, definitely you. Yeah. I mm. mean, he was great. Yeah, but, he was uh, good, but, you know, he, he hadn't met you. To my deep, exactly. deep uh, dulcet uh, tones. tones right. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, he was uh, Sam Spade on radio, The Adventures of Sam Spade, Detective. And he's starring in this episode. Uh, he doesn't like his aunt very much. Uh, no, and I probably get rid of her pretty right. soon. <laughs> this was originally sponsored by Signal Oil. Marvin Miller doing the announcing on this show from April 21st, 1947. And uh, as I said before, this is going to have a twist ending. So listen carefully and see if you... I don't think you're going to be um, able to figure it out. The twists were always really, really well done. So we'll get back to the Whistler and more of Hollywood 360 after this short break. Hi, I'm Carl Amari. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Shadow, Jack Benny, Gunsmoke, Dragnet, The Whistler, and Abbott and Costello, consider joining the Classic Radio Club. Each month, members receive 10 of the greatest classic radio shows of all time. As curator, the 10 shows I select will be the best sound quality and the most popular, along with a rare show sprinkled in to add to the fun. I'll also send you historical liner notes, plus photos of the radio stars. Members also receive an email each week with a link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show. The links never expire, so you can listen to Hollywood 360 whenever you'd like. The first month membership fee is only $1, with each additional month under $10. And you can cancel at any time with no obligation. By joining the Classic Radio Club, you're supporting this show, so we thank you very much. Join the Classic Radio Club at ClassicRadioClub.com. 
That's ClassicRadioClub.com. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. Thank you, Adam West, my good pal. Um, Very fortunate to have been pals with uh, Adam West, and he recorded all those uh, announcer intros and outros for me many, many years ago. And what an honor. Um, Another honor is to have Mies Meals as a sponsor of our show. And I got to tell you, Lisa, I am loving my Mies Meals each and every week. And if uh, our listeners have not tried them yet, they really should. Because not only can you order your first Mies Meals for 50% off by using the promo code CARL at checkout, but uh, you're really going to find something very special and very different and unlike any other meal prep company out there because, you know, when you order from Mies Meals, when you go to their website, meezmeals.com, you're going to see incredible things to order each and every week. They switch it out. Every week there's like 10 different things. And then it comes to you anywhere in the United States, pretty much like 95% of the United States, they will ship this uh, food to you. It's absolutely fresh as can be. It's all chopped and prepped and ready to go. It takes you about 15 to 20 minutes max for it to be on your table feeding your family. But here's the thing that I love the most about Mies Meals. And I every single week I say this every single time. First of all, it's super easy to prepare. They give you like a, a, a you know an index card, tells you how to prepare it. So even I can do it. But here's the thing. I would not order this or normally in a restaurant maybe. I would maybe not order this or make it, you know, go to the store and and buy all the ingredients to do it. But, you know, because I'm like, huh, chicken cordon bleu. Do I order chicken cordon bleu in a restaurant? Usually not. But it's on the menu this week, and I'm like, hey, chicken cordon bleu. I love chicken cordon bleu. And that's what I ordered, and I'll get it next week. It usually arrives on Monday or Tuesday. So you're going to receive things from Mies Meals that you would normally not eat, but you are going to love it. Right, Lisa? Well, you get to choose the things that you want, so you can decide what you'd like. But the part that I find um, best and most convenient is just not thinking about what's for dinner tonight yeah, and not having to go to the store and make a list and buy everything and then come back. It's just kind of a schlep to go to the store. It's time-consuming. What does everybody want? This, that, the other thing. It's already done. It's sitting in my refrigerator in, you know, in, in a bag with the instructions ready to go. And that's what we're having. We've already chosen it. They've done the shopping. They've done the cleaning, the washing, the prep work. And it's ready for me to just put together. And um, I find it just so very, very convenient. Yeah, each week, uh, Lisa at her home with her daughter, she makes it together. They make a video. And, uh, and I have a video each week that I have. So... We post these videos of, uh, of the preparation, and it's very easy. And uh, then we get to eat it, and it's great. And so if you want to see some of these videos, go to our Facebook page, Hollywood 360 Radio. Just go to Facebook and search Hollywood 360 Radio and scroll down. You'll see some of the videos. But I got to tell you, folks, if you haven't tried Mies Meals, you're missing out. And why not try it? First time is only 50%, so you get a 50% discount by using the promo code CARL. Go to Mies, M-E-E-Z, meals.com. One thing we also want to mention is you can order as many servings as you want. You can order two servings 
three servings, four servings, whatever's appropriate for you and your family. Yep. And you're not, it's not like a meal plan where like every week you have to order. If you don't want to order this week, you don't. If you want to order next week, you do. It's up to you. Just go to Mies Meals, M-E-E-Z Meals.com. All right, we're listening to a, uh, a really good episode of The Whistler. They were mostly great episodes. Howard Duff stars in this show. It's called Backlash. Here's the conclusion. And now back to The Whistler. It was an amazing thing, wasn't it, George? Just last night, it seemed intolerable, with nothing ahead but dreary months of fencing with a vicious, dominating woman, of silent, tense evenings at the dinner table, while she picked away at the heart of your marriage to Jan, of useless rages and long, lonely walks in the night. But it's over now. You can see daylight ahead. And the thing that made the difference jingles in your pocket, the 50-cent piece with a hole in it that the furtive little man left with you this afternoon. You arrive home on schedule, a box of chocolates in Jan's corsage held playfully behind your back. Anybody home? Jan? Aunt Irene? Oh, there you are. Good evening, George. Oh, hello, Aunt Irene. Where's Jan? She'll be down in a minute. Close the door. It's drafty. I've something to tell you, George. Great. I'm listening. I had a long talk with Jan today. Oh? We decided, we, mind you, not I, that you're entirely unfair about the trip. I see. George... Jan is leaving tomorrow to visit Uncle David. And nothing you will say will change her mind. Is that clear? Of course. Well, well, is that all you're going to say? I think it's a wonderful idea. The trip will do her good. George. George, I want you to try and understand, darling. Understand? (laughs) What's there to understand? Well, well, you see, Aunt Irene decided... I just told him. Oh? Well, George, you see, I... He thinks it's a fine idea. What? Of course, dear. I know when I'm wrong. Well, I can't be right all the time, can he? George, what a... Mi- Wait a minute. What are you hiding behind your back? Peace offering. For you, darling. Oh, a corsage. Well, after all, my wife's going to travel in style. <laughs> oh, what oh, is God. this, George? And for you, Aunt Irene, a box of chocolates. Tell me, what have you got in the back of your head now? It's very simple, Aunt Irene. I know I said some intolerable things last night. And I'm sorry. I've thought it over very carefully and decided you were completely right. Hmm. It's unfair of me to keep Jan from making the trip. That's all. You expect me to believe that? I've been wrong about a lot of things, Aunt Irene. I want to change now. I hope you'll try and understand when I tell you it's going to be different from now on. Oh, George, it's it's wonderful. When are you leaving, Jan? Tomorrow morning at 10.30. Oh. Uh... You'll forgive me if I don't see you off. Of course, George. And Irene will drive me to the station. Well, thanks, dear. You see, I I have a very important appointment at 10 o'clock. Ah, 10 o'clock. Right on time, Turner. Come in. Thanks. 
Uh, this is Mr. Frawley, uh, Dan George Turner. Turner, how do you do? Sit down, Turner. Thanks. We uh, dropped the four-bit piece along with my note to let you know this is the McCoy. You recognize it, I see. Yeah, it's my brother Ed's pocket piece. He's carried it for years. Mm-hmm. Ed's a nice boy. Shame to see him wasting his life away on a murder rap. Yeah. And uh, Dan here likes to help nice guys. Just like he said in the note. Yeah, we want to get your brother out, Mr. Turner. That takes an organization, doesn't it? We got one. Takes money, too. Prison breaks don't come cheap. How much? Three thousand bucks. Three thousand? Maybe it's not worth that much to you to see your brother sprung. Maybe you don't like your brother. No, it's not that. Uh, you said he was a nice guy, Frawley. Uh, tell me, does he still have red hair, or has prison life turned to gray? <laughs> yeah, I get it. You don't trust us, huh? Yeah, your brother doesn't have red hair, Turner, or gray. Sandy, like yours. About the same height and the same build. In fact, you could pass for him. Does that satisfy you? I've seen him. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you've seen him all right, but... You, um... You think you'd recognize your brother's handwriting? Why, certainly I would. Okay. Take a look at this letter. George, this Frawley is okay. I know you've never liked me, but please make a deal with him. Someday I'll pay you back. Thanks, Ed. Satisfied? Yeah. But how will this thing work? That's our end. Don't you worry. We've got it cased and it can't miss. When's this thing coming off? Don't know yet. But you can count on this. Twelve hours after it comes off, we figure to have your brother in Mexico. I see. Uh, you want to think it over for a while? No. No, I've done all the thinking over I have to. But, uh, I'll have to scout around to get that money. I can have it for you in 24 hours. Okay? Okay, Turner. It's a deal. Yes, George, it's a deal. A completely new deal for you. Because for once in your life, you hold a hand that's all aces. And as you go about raising the necessary $3,000, using your wife's trip as an excuse, you plan exactly how you'll play your cards. With Jan safely on her way to California, the next day you manage to get the money to Frawley. Then, after three days of anxiously watching the newspapers, you're driving home from work with your next-door neighbor, Mr. Cameron, the car radio playing softly as the two of you talk. Ah, well, I'm always glad when we're out of that traffic. Oh, yes. <laughs> you know, I was reading an article on that, George. Some psychologists claim that half our nervousness is due to the increased traffic since the war. Yes, I read that. They uh, blamed the other half on living with relatives. Why... <laughs> yes, so they did. <laughs> well, of course, it's a lot of foolishness with some people. Your case, for instance. Your wife's Aunt Irene is a fine woman, George. She's all right. Sometimes I... Well, I don't think you understand her exactly. You know, we think a good deal of her down at the garden club. Mm, well, she may be fine at the garden club, but... uh, Now, wait a minute, George. Before you say anything against Let's Irene, Let's skip it. I, can... I don't want to talk about her anymore. <laughs> George, I... This is Don Daly with a special item. Let's catch this, huh? In a daring daylight break, three prisoners escaped from the state penitentiary this morning. 
killing one guard and wounding three others. What? Two of the fugitives have already been taken into custody by the swift work of state and county officers. The third, however, is still at large. This man is Edward Turner, 37, uh -oh. a lifetime killer. Turner is said to be armed and dangerous. He is thought to be... I... I am sorry, George. That's your brother, isn't it? Yes. I guess I better hurry up and get home. There may be some calls or something. Yes, George, you want to get home in a hurry now, but not for any calls. You want to make sure that Aunt Irene's there, that she'll stay in the house. You also want to get up to the attic and pick up that old bundle of your brother Ed's clothes stored away in a trunk. That's the first thing you take care of. Then you hurry downstairs again to find Aunt Irene pacing the floor. Well, uh, something wrong, Aunt Irene? You know perfectly well what's wrong. Oh, uh, you heard the news on the radio, too. I don't suppose you were going to tell me. Well, I didn't see any point in alarming you. It'll be in the paper soon enough. You'd like Ed to come here, wouldn't you? You're probably counting on oh, it. Oh, now, please, Aunt Irene. Haven't I been trying my best to get along? He'll... He'll try to kill me. He swore he would that day in the courtroom. Now, Aunt Irene, he wouldn't try anything that foolish. Why, all the police in the state will be watching this area. This amuses you, doesn't it, George? The fact that I wanted Jan to go away, that I'm alone in this house. You're not alone. I'll be here. And if it'll make you feel any better, uh, I'll phone my friend Lieutenant Andrews. I'll tell him you want police protection. You'd, you'd really do that for me, George? Why, sure. So... Just take it easy, Aunt Irene. Everything's going to be perfectly all right. You don't intend to phone, do you, George? You get Irene to go to her room, and then you sneak down to your car in the alley where you left it. You toss the bundle of clothes into the back and drive to a secluded spot at the edge of town. It doesn't take long to change from your suit into the old one of Ed's. And a bit of dirt rubbed on your face makes the disguise more perfect. You're thinner than Ed, yes. But even Frawley remarked how much you look alike. Back in town, you run the car into an alley, cut the lights, and walk the few short blocks to Grinelli's Bar, a place that has changed very little since the days when Ed used to hang around it. This is an important step, George. You must establish Ed's presence in town. Hello, boys. Surprised to see me? Yes. Watch it, Grinelli. Don't do anything foolish. You see, I haven't got anything to lose. You have. Ed Turner. Hey, you, you gotta go quick, Ed. The police will be... The police are figuring I'm a hundred miles from here. Oh, what do you want? I'm short of cash, Grinelli. Very short. I thought you'd like to give me 50 bucks. No, no, no. no. I, I can't do that. I can't help a criminal, Ed. They... So you believe it, too, huh? All that lying old dame had to say. Well, you had a fair trial. Sure, and they hung it on me. So now I want a fair chance to even things up and beat it. The money, Grinelli. Get it out of the register. But, Ed... Get it! All right, I'll, I'll get it. This is no good, Ed. They could close me down. So could I. Thanks. Just don't any of you do anything until I'm away from here. I wouldn't like it. And maybe killing comes easier for me now. It wasn't easy, George. 
But you know as you hurry back to your car that there were four people in that bar who will swear Ed Turner was in town tonight, at large. Five minutes later, you pull into a service station, change clothes in the washroom, and scrub the dirt from your face. No one pays any attention as you toss the little bundle of Ed's clothes in the back of a truck which is pulled in for gas. The next thing is your alibi, just in case something should go wrong. You drive over to the theater in your own neighborhood. The picture is one you saw a week ago on a business trip. Before going in, you purposely stop and chat a minute with the manager. Then you go inside, take a seat near the fire exit and sit down to wait. Half an hour later, you decide it's time. You get up unnoticed and walk toward the fire door, fumbling in your pocket. Your hand lights on the 50-cent piece. And as you slip out, you insert it carefully into place, holding back the latch. Yes, George, you'll want to be able to get back in the theater when the night's business is over. After you've murdered Aunt Irene. It's only a few minutes to the house from the theater. You walk with quick, determined steps. This part won't be difficult, will it, George? No. You can't wait to walk in on her. Hey. Wait a minute, what's... Hello, George. What's the matter, Lieutenant Andrews? A little late to be getting home from work, isn't it? What? No, I, I was home before. I, I I just went out for a little walk. What brought you back, George? Forget something? Or did you want to make sure your wife's aunt was dead? you stand there speechless, stunned, almost as if someone had struck you with a sledgehammer when you walked through the door. Aunt Irene lying on the floor, dead. Andrews from the homicide squad staring at you, his lean face full of questions. You never figured it this way, did you, George? Not with Frawley's promise that they'd have Ed in Mexico 12 hours after his prison break. But now it begins to make sense, doesn't it? Ed must have decided not to leave without evening the score with Aunt Irene. You take your time, thinking it all through before saying anything. And then you realize that it's better this way. Ed's safely out of town by now, but he'll be blamed if you simply say you saw him. And you can say that, George, because Grinelli and those people in the bar will back you up. Yes, it's better this way. You want to tell us what happened, George? Hey, yeah, yeah, sure, Andrews. It was just an awful shock, that's all. I, I guess it's pretty simple. My brother, Ed, he was in town this evening. You talked to him? No, I saw him, though. I don't think there could be any mistake. And, of course, you know how he felt about Aunt Irene. Yeah, we know. Only we're more interested in how you felt about her, George. What do you mean? Mr. Cameron here says you hated her enough to kill her. Wait a minute. You're not accusing me That's of... That's exactly what I'm doing. Yes, only last week at the garden club. Irene... Yeah, yeah, you... you've told us all that, Mr. Cameron. All right, so we did quarrel, so I hated her, but... 
That doesn't mean I killed her. He's lying, Lieutenant. I heard her scream. I heard him run out of the house. It was my brother. It, it, it must have been my brother. He swore he'd kill her. You've got to find him. He's on his way to Mexico. He's on his way, all right. But not to Mexico. He was killed less than an hour ago in a running battle with the police. That doesn't make any difference. I tell you, he came Got it, here. George. He... We know you're lying. You see, four witnesses are ready to swear that at the exact moment of the murder, your brother was downtown in Granelli's bar. Let that whistle be your signal for the Signal Oil program, The Whistler. Each Monday at 9, brought to you by the Signal Oil Company, marketers of Signal gasoline and motor oil and fine quality automotive accessories. And now let me remind you once more, beginning next Monday, The Whistler will be heard one hour earlier, 8 o'clock instead of 9. Featured in tonight's story were Howard Duff and Henrietta Tedrow. The Whistler was produced by George W. Allen with music by Wilbur Hatch, story by J. Douglas Ware, and was transmitted to our troops overseas by the Armed Forces Radio Service. This is Marvin Miller speaking for the Signal Oil Company. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Ah, see? That twist standing there, Lisa. I'll bet you didn't see it coming. Never. Or hear it coming. <laughs> no, right? exactly. Backlash. Howard Duff, starring in The Whistler, April 21st, 1947, is heard on CBS. Hope you enjoyed that. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. In our next hour, it's the telltale heart on the Hall of Fantasy from 1953, but first, Lisa Wolf Dylan is our lyricist for learning the lyrics, right, Lisa? That's right. We're going to do one hit wonders. One hit wonders. That's in our next hour, and we'll see you soon. Hi, everyone. This is Meredith from the Senior Fitness with Meredith podcast, where I discuss all things for seniors from fitness, your health and wellness journeys. How to be all over strong and beyond. I also have my mini podcast called Motivation with Meredith. It's a great, quick, motivational pick-me-up for your days. Join me. Listen now. Search for Senior Fitness with Meredith on your favorite podcast platform. <laughs> 